0: instead of the other way around. Approval isn't guaranteed, and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details.
1: Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health.
0: here at The Volume. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I hope all of your guys' weeks are off to a great start. We are going to be breaking down four games tonight. We'll be doing Warrior Suns. We'll be doing Pelicans Mavericks. And then a couple of games from last night, including the Brooklyn Nets struggling with the Memphis Grizzlies and the San Antonio Spurs going into Minnesota and kicking the shit out of the Timberwolves. A couple of interesting games that we'll get into there. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to The Volume's YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Jason so you guys don't miss any show announcements. That's also where I put the footage breakdowns. And then last but not least, if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish them, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. And lastly, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best quality candidates available, that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You guys know how easy it is to create a job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Then you just add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Plus, we're getting to the end of the year and you know how important it is to have the right team member to finish the year strong. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the quality candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash That's linkedin.com slash to post your job for free. Terms and conditions Apply. On that note, let's talk some basketball. So good win for Phoenix. Um, Their offense was humming. And even though their defense wasn't great in the first half, they had one strong defensive quarter there in the third quarter holding the Warriors to 20. And then it was pretty much over at that point. CP3 finally got going as a score, something I know the Suns have been waiting to happen literally ever since game two of the uh, second round series last year against the Mavericks. He hit a monumentally important shot, I thought, at the end of the first half, that three-pointer just before the buzzer that really changed the tone and tenor of the game. I think that ended up putting them up six. Went from feeling kind of like a back-and-forth game at that point to a game that the Suns had at least a little bit of control over. So it was good to see CP3 have a nice game again. Um, Jock Landeal, that was an interesting performance from him. He was really good operating out of the short roll, scoring against... Switches in the post, which is obviously a vitally important part of the Phoenix offense, and has demonstrated kind of a, a pretty nasty little short hook shot there in the lane that he seemed to make every single one of. Uh, but I got to come back to Devin Booker. You know, I've been talking about him a lot to start this season. He's a huge part of why Phoenix has been so impressive to start this season. To be clear, Devin Booker has been one of the six or seven best players that I've seen in the league to start this year. Obviously his shot making is off the charts. I'm pretty sure he's over 50% from the field and from 3 at this point. Um his passing in particular has been above and beyond even what I've ever expected from Devin Booker. Even in their loss the other night to Portland, I thought he made some really impressive passes down the stretch. I think he notched another six assists tonight. He's that that's a huge element to his game that was that you know he had some stretches where he put up big assist numbers on bad Suns teams, but getting him to kind of demonstrate that And to figure out the defensive end of the floor were the two things that were vitally important to him taking that next step from being more, more like a, you know, a a franchise cornerstone than just like another, another taller Bradley Beal. You know what I mean? And his defense has been incredible to start this season again, although that's something he's been uh, doing well with for the last couple of years. But here's the reality. If you're a dominant three-level scorer who passes the ball well and defends really well, you're a superstar. Now, it remains to be seen how consistent he'll be as the season goes along, uh, but that's definitely an exciting development for the Suns fans. I had a a conversation. I had an NBA player, a multi-time All-Star, that reached out to me last year who asked me about my All-NBA teams. And uh, this player was very adamant that Devin Booker should have been first-team All-NBA. I disagreed, obviously. I think I had him second-team for me. Uh, Might have even been third-team. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but there's clearly been this movement from players in the league, like, "Hey, Devin Booker's awesome," and all of us are like, "He's great," but you know, there's there's clearly levels to this, and he's not quite at that top level. Well, we got to call out what we're seeing here. Uh, to start this year, he's been one of the best players in the league, and if he continues to play this well, it changes the way that we have to kind of project with Phoenix. Um, a lot of players at this phase in their career, after they have enough experience, you know, because. Devin Booker didn't have the luxury of playing in an organized, smart, you know, uh, uh, you know, know, well-intentioned basketball environment for the first several years of his career. He's been in this kind of winning environment now, what is this, three years ever since the Chris Paul trade? So he's starting to pick up all of those winning habits and winning details that he didn't really have much of an opportunity to work on early in his career because he was just never playing in truly high stakes environments. So it's cool to see him take these leaps. Again, We're only, what, four games into this, so there's a lot of basketball left to be played. I'm a big believer, as you guys know, and you earn those spots through consistent production, game in, game out, that translates to the highest levels of the playoffs. To be clear, Devin Booker struggled mightily at the end of that Dallas Mavericks series. That's part of being a star player. You continue that production at the highest levels of the game. But that said, I mean, we were sitting here over the summer pretty depressed about where things were going with the Suns and Devin Booker's been awesome. So you got to you got to call out what you can uh what you can see there. Um this game was so back and forth and so entertaining, you know, as the even as uh um the announcers were saying through two and a half quarters, but it really turned on that Clay ejection. Not going to talk too much about it right now. We're going to save that for later on. Uh but Clay Thompson was defending Devin Booker really well in that third quarter, which was part of what was leading to that trash talk and then you sub clay out for jordan Poole, who's a much lesser defensive player and then phoenix comes out playing with emotion to end that quarter and to start the fourth quarter and they just beat the brakes off of them which is not the not, not the craziest thing to see in the nba we all know that ejections particularly for the home crowd tend to fire them up and lead to um lead to high effort and a lot of times when you're playing against a really talented team that can lead to a loss. We're going to talk a little bit more about the ejection in a little bit because I do think there was a lesson to learn there. Not something that I would necessarily chastise Clay for because that's his first ejection of his career, but it's something to keep in mind just kind of as a lesson. I had a feeling this would be a tough game for Golden State coming in. Their defense has not been great to start the year, specifically defending pick and roll and specifically defending the paint. They really struggled again defending the pick and roll against Sacramento the other night. They could not stop De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk from getting downhill they allowed so I just I just kind of you know defense is about details defense is about habits defense is about being sharp and if you're not if you're not completely you know those things don't happen overnight you have to build those habits you have to build those connective tissues that make you a great defense and sometimes it can take a couple weeks for you to figure that out there are a lot of teams around the league teams that we expected to be good defensively that are struggling so far and the Warriors are one of them. They gave up another 62 paints, uh, excuse me, paint points tonight. Um, Phoenix's pick and roll offense, like, you know, like I said, uh, Golden State's been struggling specifically with pick and roll defense to start the season. And Phoenix is the highest volume pick and roll team in the league. They're going to come at you every possession down the floor with some variation of pick and roll. And they do it a bunch of different ways. Now, Steve Kerr clearly in this game did not want to offer help. So when they ran two-on-two pick-and-roll, so like a standard like Booker-Aiton pick-and-roll or CP3-Aiton pick-and-roll, they just defended it two-on-two and stayed home on shooters on the back end. And then when they ran their Spain pick-and-roll, when they involved Booker and Paul with Aiton and they have Booker relocate to the top of the key as he's rolling down, they were just defending that with three players. And so what ended up happening is because Chris Paul had a great offensive night and Devin Booker has been awesome to start the season and Aiton is who Aiton is, those three guys went off. And, uh, obviously they managed to hold the role players in check, but it was a big part of why, uh, it's just, it's just, it's already extremely difficult to defend the Phoenix pick and roll with two guys or with three guys when you're not sending help. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where I think like, I think that if it was a playoff series or something along those lines, you would have probably seen an adjustment and seen more help sent that way, but it's the regular season. And honestly, guys, I really think Steve Kerr is leaning heavily into, um, trying to, to bide reps and opportunity for guys like Moses Moody to get better defensively and guys like James Wiseman to get better defensively. You know, Phoenix, or Golden State lost some defensive personnel this summer. Just, that's just a fact. The, um, a big driving force of their success defensively last year was Gary Payton II. That's all you guys have to do is go online and look up the on-off numbers in the playoff run when Gary Payton was on the floor versus when Gary Payton was off the floor. Perimeter defense, as I've always said, is one of the most important skills in the league. And in the starting lineup, the Warriors have outstanding perimeter defensive players. Steph's a great defensive player. Clay is a fantastic defensive player. His defense in the NBA Finals helped turn that series around. Andrew Wiggins is in the conversation for best perimeter defensive player in the league. And then Looney and Draymond are both awesome. But once you get past that first five, you immediately take a huge step back In perimeter defense. And and I think, I think that Steve Kerr is leaning heavily on this season, this regular season as basically an opportunity for guys like Moses Moody, Jonathan Kamingo, who didn't play in the first half of this game. I'm not sure if he was in the doghouse or if that was just intended to get James Wiseman more minutes, but I think he's going to be giving these guys a lot of minutes over the course of the regular season and deliberately throwing them tough matchups so that they can hopefully be ready by the time you get to the postseason. Specifically, Moses Moody, again, spent most of the night guarding Chris Paul or Devin Booker. And in every single game that I've seen him play, he's been specifically guarding the other team's quick, uh, quickest perimeter defensive players. And I think that's on purpose. He's an upright, top-heavy six-eight wing who needs to work on his fit, uh, foot speed anticipation and understanding the proper balance between how much position he can give and contest with length versus where he's too far back and guys can get to their pull-up jump shot too easy. That might take 82 games for him to really figure out dependably enough that they can plug him into that Gary Payton the second role or they can plug him in to that Otto Porter Jr. role. And it remains to be seen. Uh, but the reality is, is right now, they're not sharp enough in those details to go on the road and beat a really good Phoenix Suns team, especially when Chris Paul is playing really well. Now, what do we know about Phoenix? We know that eventually, over the course of the playoffs, Chris Paul runs out of gas. Suddenly, they lose that shot creation. Suddenly, too much gets put on Devin Booker's plate. And then you find out really quickly that guys like Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton and Cam Johnson aren't good enough at creating their own shot to kind of make up that gap. So that's the reality of the Phoenix Suns matchup. But in the regular season, especially on a night where Chris Paul and Devin Booker are both playing well, you have to be sharp. And Golden State's not sharp right now defensively. It might take a few weeks for them to get there. It might take longer. But this is something they're going to have to get used to. It's possible that especially over tougher stretches of their schedule when they're playing tougher opponents, that their record doesn't look as dominant as it did last year because they're investing into those young perimeter defensive players to try to get them ready for the postseason. Um, And I mean, Steve Kerr specifically said that at the end of the first quarter in the, or at the start of the second quarter in that like little coaches interview that they always do. I've been talking about this all season, all preseason and all regular season. So I'm not overly surprised, but I did think it was interesting to see, uh, to see Kerr specifically mention that at the end of the first quarter, just to kind of put a stamp on that. So you guys know exactly what's happening there. Um, so with clay's ejection, and I thought this was kind of an interesting sequence. So uh, I noticed in the first half that Steph seemed a- like he was a little bit annoyed. It's always tough to tell exactly what's happening on the court because the production team is constantly switching camera angles and, and you're not always seeing everything that's happening. All of you guys who have ever been to an NBA game know that it's just a lot easier to track that stuff when you're in the arena. So if you guys happen to be in the arena or you saw something or saw a clip from a fan and you saw exactly what happened, drop it and uh, just tell us what happened in the comments so maybe we could see it for tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I I couldn't tell exactly what was going on in the first half, but something was boiling over between Steph and one of the sons because he seemed really annoyed. And then he was super locked in as a result. And then, uh, in the third quarter, clay Thompson, you know, Devin Booker tried one of his patented step back moves on the left wing and, and clay just snuffed it out, uh, gained, gained the ground and attacked the shooting pocket and stripped clay little tip for perimeter defensive players too: like a lot of times with really good. Pull up jump shooters, you're not going to bother them up top because once they get to their rhythm, once they get to the footwork that they like and they elevate up into the shot, they've practiced that shot tens of thousands of times in their career. They're going to knock it down. So you're not really bothering them at that point. But if you can disrupt that gather, target the ball down low, especially if you're a player like Clay that's got long arms and you can make up ground there. You're not going to bother Devin Booker up top, but you might be able to bother him down low. And like I said before, Clay was defending Devin Booker really well in that third quarter, but something happened there after that strip. I'm not sure if Clay said something like, you know, give me that shit or or some other sort of uh, trash talk, but Devin Booker just started going right back at him. And Devin Booker is a legendary trash talker in this league. I think it was either Kevin Durant or J.J. Redick But one of the major NBA players that has a podcast said something along the lines of like, they were asked who the biggest trash talkers in the league. And Devin Booker's name always gets thrown out in those conversations. He's a famous shit talker. So as soon as Clay went at it with him, it was just, we were off to the races at that point. And uh, Clay immediately pulled the four rings thing. And then I don't know exactly what Booker said, but I think he might've said that you guys got lucky because there was another angle at the free throw line where Draymond was on camera and it looked like he said something like we have four. How do you think we got lucky four times or or something along those lines? It looked like just me trying to play detective uh, on my couch watching the game. It looked like something like that happened. And then it goes to the timeout and then things escalated. And then we come back from the timeout and Clay's out of the game. Mm -hmm. And so it was, was, I mean, it is what it is. It's just fun during the course of the regular season. Um, But I mean, if there's one lesson to take from it, it's like, don't punch down, and what I mean by that is like everyone who's watching the game knows what's happening. We all saw Devin Booker struggle in the second round after trash talking Luka Doncic to go out in embarrassing fashion uh, in Game Seven. We saw that. We also have seen Clay Thompson over the years, time and time again, play incredibly well in a huge playoff moment. We call him Game Six Clay for a me- for a reason. He has time and time again had huge playoff moments. He's one of the best perimeter defenders to ever play consistently in the NBA playoffs, has taken monumentally important defensive matchups like guarding Kyrie Irving when he's on fire in the 2017 finals or, you know, guarding Jalen Brown for long stretches during the 2022 finals. This guy, your resume is stamped. We, there's no, Draymond's right. You don't get lucky four times. Like you... Your resume is rock solid, and Devin Booker is the one that's overstepping his boundaries with his trash talk. And in that situation, you actually play directly into their hands because you got yourself ejected, and then they got all emotional, and now they're beating you. And so if there's one thing, it's like if you could somehow just have some fun, talk some trash. Clay's a trash talker too. You would need to lean into that. Draymond's right. You need to play into your emotion up to a certain point. But you got to stay in the game because you were playing well, Clay, defensively on Booker in that third quarter. Your team was playing well. If you stay in the game, you might win, at which point you get to go have your moment in front of their bench and and talk all the shit you want right back. Because at the end of the day, the winner gets to tell the story. But it is what it is. It's not a big deal. I'm not chastising him by any stretch. He literally, this is the first ejection of his career. But I did think it was weird to see it go off the rails as much as it did, especially in a winnable basketball game like that. And then it went to a timeout. He was sitting on his bench at one point. He must have... Somebody from Phoenix must have been yelling something across the benches that got him going. But yeah, big a big win for Phoenix. They're better than I thought to start the season. I'm not worried about Golden State because they're just ironing out details for the postseason. They're undergoing... Roster turnover, not roster turnover, but rotation turnover in a specific uh, spot in their roster that was very strong defensively last year. And so th- they're going to go through some growing pains. And it's just something for us to watch over the course of the season. We want to see everything like paint points, defensive rating, you know, those c- kinds of things. We want to see those tick down into lower numbers as the season progresses, because that will demonstrate Moses Moody getting better. That will demonstrate James Wiseman getting better. That will demonstrate Jonathan Kamiga getting better. That's all part of that process. All right. So on that note, let's talk some Mavericks and Pelicans. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley, and you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aarons, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too. Return it, then take home something new. Life's always changing. With Aarons, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aarons fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aarons store or visit Aarons.com for more details. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details.
1: With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.
0: Um, Interesting there at the end, Luca going two for one. I, as he was dribbling up the left wing, down by three, I remember sitting there thinking, like, man, that's going to be a tough step back. Defender's kind of riding on his hip. and. Uh, at the moment, I was like, I was confused as to why he was going for the quick layup because I didn't think there was quite enough time left. But everything worked out just about as perfectly as it could for Dallas on that sequence. He gets to the rim, he lays it in with four seconds left. They foul Devontae Graham. He misses a free throw. And then you set it up, and he gets basically the same type of fading three on that left wing, except for this time it's for the win. Rather than for the tie and he just missed it, which it is what it is. I had a feeling this game would be close. Uh, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, this was one of my first bets of the season. I bet New Orleans money line because I got them at uh, plus 200 on FanDuel. You know, they're down three starters, obviously, with Irv Jones being out. He hyperextended his knee the other day. Uh, Brandon Ingram got a concussion and then Zion Williamson took a pretty nasty fall that uh, on a shot that he got blocked, which led to a hip contusions. All three of those guys were out, and obviously that's going to skew things towards Dallas. But the New Orleans Pelicans have one of the most talented rosters in the league. And the reality is, is that if you uh, – and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in a minute as it pertains to the rest of the league. But when you're playing these super talented teams and you don't bring your A game, you can get beat. This Pelicans team is deep on the wing. They're deep in skilled pull-up jump shooting. I like their front court. This is actually one of my favorite Kevin Durant destinations uh, over the course of the summer, if you guys remember. I, I was pro them trying to flip um, uh, Zion Williamson for KD because I thought the rest of the roster was so incredibly stacked that I thought it would immediately propel you into being a top-tier contender, if not something better. And, you know, Zion, obviously, with his injury history, I felt was a little bit more of a risk. Um, I don't think you're wrong going either way. They're obviously going to be fantastic with Zion. Zion looks amazing to start the season. But I've always been a huge fan of this roster. And and uh, <clears throat> David Griffin, in particular, deserves a lot of credit. You know, um, in this, you know, I, I I was tweeting about this earlier today because Anthony Simons just completely went off against the Denver Nuggets last night had like a 24-point quarter and was hitting all these shots. And the level of skill in the NBA at the guard position in particular right now is so incredibly high that there's just this ridiculous amount of parity because the it used to be you know that you didn't have guys hitting crazy wild pull-up jump shots if you got caught on a ball screen. Or if you had your big man dropping back to the basket, you weren't having guys consistently beat you with pull up floaters or pull up jump shots or things along those lines, but now that skill level is 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 all over the place in this league. I mean, you took out three starters for New Orleans and and coming back any coming back at you anyway. You have C.J. McCollum, one of the better three level scorers in the league. Devontae Graham, a player that can hit a lot of pull up jump shots. Trey Murphy had an awesome offensive game as well. They just have tons and tons of offensive talent and in in this league in this era. If you bring 80% defensive effort and you kind of get caught on ball screens and your bigs are too far back and drop, you're going to get barbecued just because that's how skilled the NBA is right now. Now, Dallas did take control of this game later on in the third quarter. Uh, they put together a much better defensive quarter, ended up taking a little bit of a lead, but any that you play A poor defensive game, and you allow a game to stay close. You throw shot variants into the equation, and when there are all these skilled players in the league, all it takes is somebody getting hot. And in this fourth quarter, it was CJ McCollum, and what an unbelievable, magnificent fourth quarter it was from him. Do it started in pick and roll. He had like a nice little floater um, uh, against a dropping big. He had a pull up three against the drop, but then after that. Uh, Dallas started sending lots of defensive attention to him, outright doubling him on a couple of different occasions, and he just started to pick them apart with the pass. There was a real like CJ McCollum is really gifted, in particular, with setting his man up, which is such an important skill when you're not a fantastic athlete. And CJ McCollum, for all of his great qualities, he's not a fantastic athlete at the guard position. But there was a play where he ended up getting Maxi Kleba on a switch, and he kind of dragged him out to half court. And he did a retreat dribble and kind of exposed the basketball and relaxed for a second and just waited for Kleba to get a little too aggressive and lean forward. And as soon as he leaned forward, he blew right past him, drew help, swung over to Trey Murphy and Trey Murphy knocked down a three. That's the kind of stuff that CJ is so good at is baiting you into getting out of position because he's not going to beat you off the dribble if you're in position, because you're probably going to be a better athlete than him. But in this particular case, He's, he's going to get you to make a mistake and throw yourself out of position so that he can gain his advantage. After that, he uh, hit Larry Nance in the short roll for a out three. There, then after that, they just started outright double teaming him. There's a play where they uh, just dribbled the ball up the floor. He was dribbling it on the right wing, and Dallas just abandoned Devontae Graham. To double him on the wing. And it was just easy swing pass. Bam, Devontae Graham makes a three. Then there's another play where Reggie Bullock and Luka Doncic just randomly doubled him on the right wing and he ended up throwing a bounce pass to Larry Nance for a layup. And, you know, I always say like when you play with fire, you have the chance to get burned. CJ McCollum, you know, is has always been capable of that type of fourth quarter. He's not the most consistent player. In the world, but when you let a game stay close because you didn't bring the requisite defensive effort against a team that's down three starters, you put yourself at risk for a guy getting hot. And CJ, just you know, one of my favorite, all time favorite playoff moments was CJ McCollum going into Denver in game seven a few years back and just executing the Nuggets on their home floor. To steal a playoff series he has that type of high-end ceiling it's one of my favorite things about him being in new orleans because if he's your third best player you are in fantastic shape this is one of my favorite rosters in the league as a result trey murphy his offensive ability he's actually a much better offensive player than herb jones he kind of fell out of the The rotation last year in the playoffs just because of some defensive limitations. That's typical for a young player, but he is a super, super talented offensive player. And then we got this other wing, one of my favorite defensive wings from the 2022 draft, a guy who really physically developed in his year in the G League, Dyson Daniels, who (laughs) was giving Luca some problems. And Luca was doing everything he could to get him switched off of him. He has a nose for the basketball and he's got super strong hands. And just another super exciting wing uh, in New Orleans. And if you're a Pelicans fan, you've just got to be incredibly stoked at this point with where your team is sitting uh, with all this talent coming back to from injury soon. Um, Dallas, you know, obviously their defense wasn't good in the first half. And in the fourth quarter, they had really struggled with CJ McCollum, but their offense was fantastic throughout this game. Uh, Coming into tonight, they were number one in offensive rating by a mile. I believe they were about six points better than the next best team in the league on the offensive end of the floor. I attribute that to three things in particular. One, they're truly playing five-out basketball all the time. Dwight Powell is out of the rotation. Now they're just going with Christian Wood and Maxi Kleba. And so as a result, they've constantly got four shooters surrounding Luka and now they just have all sorts of space to operate you know i want to be clear like vertical spacing is a real thing Dwight Powell is not even really much of a vertical spacer but you know javel mcgee gives you some vertical spacing but the the, the when they they're going away from javel mcgee early in these games they're not playing in more than maybe one or two shifts a game and they're just staying five out the rest of the night vertical spacing is real but it's not the same as five out spacing real perimeter spacing the main reason why is you have to cover more ground defensively it's just a much harder rotation to make coming out of the weak side corner to protect the rim than it is to come out of the dunker spot to protect the rim it makes everybody cover more ground it makes defenses make more mistakes it will always make you better on the offensive end of the floor at a minimum and maxi Kleba is arguably their best perimeter defender at the big position anyway he actually had a lot of success against cj mccollum in isolation or especially throughout the, the, the majority of the game before that fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, if you looked at some of their offensive numbers last year in the playoffs, you know, with Dwight Powell in particular, their offense just wasn't nearly as good. And you go around the league and you look at the vertical spacing bigs versus the perimeter spacing bigs, and almost every team in the league plays much better on the offensive end when they go five out. And with the flexibility of having Christian Wood and Maxi Kleba on your roster, you could play five out basketball all the time if you want to but you've got JaVale McGee if you should need a bigger center for specific matchups, which is important. The second thing I attribute their offense to is Christian Wood. And this dude is, you know, I remember when I, when I was watching the stuff of him in Houston to kind of prep for the season, I was looking at the stuff he does well. Like he catches and shoots the ball well. He's a good catch-and-shoot shooter. He's was actually a pretty damn good pull-up three-point shooter. He was taking like two a game and hitting them at like 40% in Houston. He was good in post-ups, and he was good in the short roll. And if you guys remember, my question was, I'm I'm confused as to whether or not that was just garbage time basketball with a bad team, where he's just jacking up shots, or whether it was real, legitimate scoring that translates in a winning environment. And I think we, I think he has answered that question resoundingly to start this season. This dude had, you know, and it's so hard to ex- explain. It's just a natural. Scoring ability. Yes, he can shoot. Yes, he has touch. But there are a lot of guys around the league that have touch, that can shoot, that can dribble, that have all of those things, but they just don't have a scorer's mentality. A scorer's mentality is a combination of creativity, a willingness to try things that go outside of your rigid fundamentals, and then audacity, the bravery to take difficult shots in difficult situations like Christian Wood staring down Dyson Daniels and ripping through getting cut off by Dyson Daniels but then Euro stepping back to finish with his left hand like overly fundamental basketball players don't have that level of creativity and there's just there's a number of players around the league that have that kind of mix of audacity and creativity with skill level that makes them natural scorers. and Christian Wood is one of those guys and they they've been able to throw it to him in the post and he's been able to create advantages. He's been able to succeed in the role. Luka Doncic already has really good chemistry with him there. He's bailing out possessions with step back threes. He hit like a really nasty kind of like uh, Kobe used to do this like triple threat three point shot where he would kind of start to rip through like a jab step and then elevate from there as opposed to his normal shooting pocket. He had one of those on the right baseline that was a big shot in the fourth quarter that I think tied the game at 87. It was either late third or early fourth. He's got all sorts of natural scoring ability and that's just a huge influx of offensive creation that has made their offense better and then last but not least Luka Doncic he is coming into the season in shape because of Eurobasket and as a result he's averaging 34 8 and 8 on 62 percent true shooting that's career highs obviously early for both points and true shooting he's been really really good and so, at this point, at this point, like they're, you got to be extremely excited about their offense. Obviously, they need to play better defensively, especially in games like this. Uh, but two really exciting basketball games, uh, excuse me, basketball teams that um, played a really interesting game. All right, we're going to do rapid fire through these last two games. We're going to hit Brooklyn, Memphis, really quick, and then Spurs, Wolves. So obviously, KD and Kyrie, John Morant, Desmond Bain—they all combine for, or they all uh, score at least thirty-seven points. Brooklyn kept it close in the first half, but they ended up giving 70 in the second half. They never really tra- uh, they never really truly threatened. I think they got it within six in the fourth quarter, but it never really felt close. Desmond Bain finally got going, so that's good for Memphis fans because he didn't really look like himself to start the season. Still looked a little stiff, and his jump shot was really short. Didn't really um, amount to much early on, but he finally, he got, he was on fire in that second half. KD talked a lot after the game about three-point shooting being the biggest issue. The Grizzlies attempted 19- open or wide open threes, and the Nets only attempted 12. Yes, they shot better than you, but they got better threes than you because you're not defending the same way that they are defending. And that is all a distraction away from the fact that the the Nets, it's not about them knocking down shots. They're often, they've are they been seventh in offense, and they're actually going to get better as time goes on. But the reality is, is they are continuing night in and night out to get absolutely obliterated in the effort and physicality areas of the game. They are dead last in defensive rating. So they're giving up more points per possession than anybody in the league. They're dead last in defensive rebounding percentage. So when the other team shoots a shot, they are the worst team in the league at, at ending the possession with a defensive rebound. They are giving up the highest three point percentage in the league. Now, so much of that is shot result. And you see a lot of guys be like, oh, teams will shoot better. Teams will shoot worse. I see part of that, but I also see the other side of it, which is Your shot result is also a product of defensive intensity throughout the game. If you are playing physical, if you are getting into uh, people with ball pressure, if you are playing hard on both ends of the floor and making the other team work, then when they are open, they will be tired and they are less likely and because they're less comfortable and they're more fatigued, they're less likely to make those open shots. So... Yes, over the course of the 82-game season, we'll get to learn how good they really are at defending the three-point line. But I tend to think that when you're playing bad defense and they're shooting well, those are two intricately connected things. You are allowing them to be too comfortable, and comfortable NBA professional shooters are going to make shots. So at the end of the day, you can't just blame three-point percentage unless you're going out there and making teams feel uncomfortable. They are the second-worst paint defense in the league. They're allowing 1.6 points per transition possession off of turnovers, which is fourth worst in the league, which means when they throw the ball away, it's a layup line the other way. Oh, basically, it made layup almost every single possession. And that's all inexcusable. They have plenty of length and athleticism with Kevin Durant, with Ben Simmons, with Royce O'Neal, who they picked up, with Nick Claxton, who's obviously a good athlete in this league. They simply have to dedicate themselves to those details or they will not win basketball games. You can't win Just by putting the ball in the basket i used to joke all the time i said this about brooklyn actually last week you 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 can love basketball that's great but you have to hate losing enough to do the things that are not fun in basketball because all of those things that i'm talking about getting back in transition defense boxing out you know playing defense fighting over the top of screens closing out on shooters none of that is fun no one plays basketball because it's fun to do that stuff you do it because you hate to lose and right now brooklyn has not hated these losses enough to change their habits on those end of the floor. Uh, One note on Memphis that's exciting, John Morant's jump shooting. Over the summer, I talked about how he's my favorite of the hyper-athletic guards that have come through this league because he's so good with uh, passing the basketball already, so good getting to the rim, but he's a much better jump shooter already than any of those guys ever were. And this season, he's starting super hot from the perimeter. He's 57% on catch and shoot threes and 62% on pull-up threes. Obviously, he's going to come down to earth a little bit, but I always thought he'd be a good jump shooter because he has good form, which is more than you could say about Russell Westbrook or about Derrick Rose or about any of the super athletic guards that have come through the league in the past. So obviously, he still has has to get better defensively in the half court. He's making some uh, transition defensive plays, but he's looking like a player that is rapidly ascending. All right, really quick, before we get out of here, Spurs-Wolves. So the Spurs just kicked the shit out of them. It was, there was a fake comeback late, um, but they were up by 35 at one point. The Spurs are super athletic. They, they play super hard. They just did this to Philadelphia the other day as well. This is another NBA team that looks easy on the schedule, but if you don't bring your A game, you're going to get beat. Kind of similar to Utah. Just another example of all the things I've been talking about as it pertains to parity in the league. Um, Devin Vassell in particular. Totally lit up the Timberwolves, made five threes. He's averaging 25 and five to start the season. He's another freaky athletic, versatile wing coming through the San Antonio system. I'm super excited to watch more of him this season and to learn more about him because he is, after you give up DeJounte Murray, there's a lot of reason to be depressed if you're a Spurs fan, but this kid just might be better than it, which we're going to find out over the course of the next couple of years. So uh, really quickly on Minnesota, my three main concerns after the Rudy Gobert trade coming into the season, if you guys remember, I said, I'm concerned about their perimeter defense because they lost some perimeter defensive players. You're now going to be asking uh, uh, Carl Anthony Towns to guard quicker players on the perimeter. And Rudy Gobert is good defensively if you can keep him by the paint. But as soon as he starts getting pulled into help all over the place, and now he's rotating out to different players, now there's different players on the back line and it's not as effective defensively. We just learned this with his entire career in Utah. Like yes, if you can funnel to him, that's great, but if you can't and he's on the perimeter, then you're going to struggle. And um and that's been a that's been a problem to start the season. They are 20th in paint points allowed per game. That's with Rudy Gobert on the roster and that's because Rudy Gobert is being pulled away from the paint too often. The second thing I was concerned with was Rudy Gobert clogging up things on offense. They have 104.4 offensive rating with Gobert on the floor, which is worst on the team for rotation players. Like I said, vertical spacing is a real thing, but it uh, is not the same as perimeter spacing that you get from Nas Reed and that you get from Carl Towns, and it's going to hurt you on the offensive end of the floor. Rudy Gobert cannot punish switches in the post. All he can do well is really screen hard on the perimeter and roll hard to the basket for vertical spacing. He was inevitably going to mess things up for them offensively. And then last but not least, transition defense. Um, anytime you have two bigs on the floor, I immediately become concerned about your overall foot speed. And it's not just about like, oh, Rudy Gobert, because he's so damn long, he can defend a guard on a switch. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about, you know, you miss a shot and now Rudy Gobert and Carl Towns are running or jogging up the floor when you've got all these quick perimeter players on the other team. Well, they're dead last in transition defense off of turnovers. Once again, if you throw the ball away. With minnesota it's a layup line the other way because overall their foot speed is just too low so where do they go from here it's early this might get better uh, but fundamentally i don't think you can play with two bigs uh, unless both are gifted on the perimeter on both ends of the floor like you can do lebron james anthony davis because they both can guard wings and they both can guard guards and they both can guard bigs you can do Giannis and Brooke Lopez, because Brooke Lopez can shoot the three. Giannis is the, one of the best offensive players in the league, and they both can defend on the perimeter and on the interior. You need a specific type of personnel to play that style. And notice that's LeBron and Giannis, not Carl Towns playing at the four. So fundamentally, I don't really think this makes a ton of sense. Now we have this weird dynamic forming between Carl Towns and Anthony Edwards, where it almost is like Anthony Edwards is making kind of subtle comments about their spacing, and Carl Towns is insulting his diet so they're in and you can see kind of like a rift forming there which by the way the fan base is more in on anthony edwards they view him as the star as they should he's the best player on the team in my opinion and so carl towns is kind of getting the odd man out type of thing here so i think this inevitably ends with the wolves viewing gobert and edwards as their cornerstones mainly because gobert is never going to be able to be traded for as much as they just got him four. So at the end of the day, I think they're going to end up sending uh, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Towns out to get players that complement and go bear better. And I think that's where this will inevitably go. Not for a while. I think they'll give it, you know, for 40 games or until the deadline to kind of see how this looks. But I do think this eventually ends with Carl Towns going out of town. All right, guys, that is all I have for right now. As always, I sincerely appreciate your support. instead of the other way around. Approval isn't guaranteed, and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details.
1: Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers. Whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses, and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iheart that's l-e-e-s-a.com slash iheart exclusions apply see lisa.com for more details infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city